Hello, Stone Apes and others who are curious about the healing powers of psychedelic medicines. Welcome to the Stone Ape Reports. I'm your host, Stuart Preston. Each episode, I talk to another Stone Ape, somebody who has experienced the transformational powers of psychedelics, or with a practitioner who works with these medicines. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with T. T shared her personal journey of being the daughter of Vietnamese immigrants to Australia, having to take on the mother role in her family, and dealing with the trauma that that caused, eventually healing through yoga and psychedelics. She gets real with us, so please enjoy this episode with T. All right, T. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a guest here on the Stone Day Reports. I'm honored to have you, you know, here and, and to hear your story and, and share your wisdom that you have for us. So thank you for joining. Thank you so much for having me, and it's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> awesome. So obviously the, uh, the podcast is about uh, sharing our stories of, of transformation. So maybe we could just jump in here and, and hear your story, like what was going on in your life. And what called you to the medicine and, and, you know, give us all the, all the details to help anybody out there who may have been experiencing some of the same things in their lives. <laughs> How much time? <laughs> as much as you need. <laughs> oh God. Cause it's just endless. Right. I think if we start um, talking about stories, um, there's just layers and layers and layers and layers and layers that gets built up and accumulated, you know, as we, as we grow and as we get older and, you know, we have these different experiences and we yeah. people we have these interactions. Right. Um, but, you know, I guess uh, for me, you know, if someone was to meet me now, they would be very surprised as to where I had come from or what my life looks like before the, you know, as you said, the transformation. Yeah. Um, and I don't really think of it as a transformation. I think it's just more of maybe a growth or an evolution. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think about it and I think about, holy shit, like I have changed so much. But then when I stay with that thought, you know, like when I sit there and when I contemplate a little bit more, you know, I have these little snippets of, but this stuff was there all along. There's just all this other stuff mm. that piles up on top of it and then we get clouded and we forget, right? And you uncovered it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Does that, like, make sense to you? Does that resonate at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for, a lot, for me, a lot of the... I, I do feel more more transformation than I do pulling off layers of crud because mm. I felt I felt like me as a little bit of a different person back then. But uh, when when you say that people who know you now that wouldn't recognize you from the past or vice versa, is there anybody you talk to now and you you tell about how much you've changed and they look at you and say, "No, you haven't really changed that much." Do you ever get that kind of that kind of feedback? Because I do. I've yeah. gotten that from my wife. She's like, yeah, you haven't changed that much. Like, well, I feel like I've changed a ton. Yeah. But, but maybe, but maybe you're right. I mean, that's what you're saying. It's on the inside. It was already there. And now it's just kind of changing psychologically. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's beautiful that your wife says that, right? Because I mean, this is just my opinion, but it's our essence, right? That she's mm. recognizing. It's our essence that she's feeling. It's your essence that she's seeing and she's hearing. Mm. And that part of us does not change, right? That is like that place of truth when we're embedded in the heart space. Yeah. 
but it's all the other shit that happens that, you know, we can sort of, it feels like we're lost. It feels like we're a bit fucked up or whatever, but the essence of who you are is always there with you, you know? So, I mean, for people that meet me now, right, it's like, okay, um, you know, I can be seen as a psychedelic integration therapist or, you know, a yoga teacher or a yoga teacher trainer or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just very different to the life that I used to live. And the life that I used to live was the complete opposite of that. And so what does that involve? It involved, yeah. um, you know, a lot of uh, pain and suffering and doesn't mean that I don't have pain and suffering now, right? Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. When we have a human experience, it is inevitable that we experience pain and suffering, right? The lows come with the highs. So, um, you know, and it's so my past life involved a lot of that, but I wasn't able to separate from that. You know, I was just completely engulfed in that. You know, and so there was drugs and violence and gang activity and alcohol and just running an absolute muck, trying to Mm. destroy myself, trying to find, um, you know, connection and love, um, trying to find a sense of ease, if that makes any sense. Um, You know, because my sober life was just too fucking painful. Um, Was there some deep seated trauma there that you were covering up with uh, it sound like a therapist, but with these other behaviors with the, the alcohol and the gangs and the drugs and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, I mean, um, if you're familiar with Gabo Mate, right. He uh, says that, um, you know, underneath every addiction, Right. So he works a lot with uh, addiction. He said underneath every addiction is trauma. But not yeah. Un- yeah, right. But it doesn't really work the other way around. So my um, addiction, uh, definitely, you know, I could sit here and trace back that there was a lot of trauma underneath there. Mm. And, you know, I think growing up, um, so I am Australian or Australian born. Um, if you okay. can't by my accent. So hopefully your listeners can understand because I've been told yeah. that sometimes it's a little bit tricky. Um, but Yeah, you know, sometimes us Americans, we can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Sometimes people think I'm from Scotland, which is, yeah, uh, it's huh. different. But <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, back so I was born here and my parents are Vietnamese so they you know had escaped the Vietnam War and traveled by boat and were refugees and you know like all of that sort of stuff mm. so when they arrived in Australia that yes they're finding a new life right but it's a very traumatic event for them I mean just imagine being ripped out of everything that you know everything that you're familiar with right and back in the yeah. day it's not like we have Google. It's not like we have, you know, TVs. It's not like we have the, the um, I guess, the luxury of being able to explore the world without leaving the comfort of our own homes. It's like going to Pluto, mm-hmm. right? So they, you know, had left a war-torn country, arrived here. They actually met here um, and then got married and then had me. 
So wow, I, so they came over as, as two individual people, refugees from Vietnam, and then met in Australia. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mum fell in love with a muso, uh, which is a musician. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so anyway, uh, the love story started like that between mum and dad. And, um, you know, and then they had me. And it was really confusing growing up. Right. I bet. So, yeah. Like I grew up and, you know, being an only child, uh, I have a younger sister and, you know, there is a huge age difference between us. There's 16 years. Mm. And, you know, so I pretty much grew up in a, as an only child and being a female as well. Right. My parents uh, were very strict and very traditional. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in the family home and it was very Vietnamese. You know, I didn't know how to speak any English when I went to school. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, like we identify with that, right? We know that there are things that we identify with, right? And mm -hmm. we believe that it's a part of us. And to a certain degree, it is. So I identified with being a Vietnamese person. And then I go to school with all of my Aussie mates and... Now I just have no idea what I am or who I am or what I'm mm. identifying with, right? And then I start mingling with them and then it's just like, holy crap, okay, like I feel like, you know, I'm Aussie, and, but I feel like I'm Vietnamese. But at the same time, I feel like I'm none of the above. You know, I come yeah. home, I have these, you know, very Western ways of, of being and my parents are like, what the crap is going on to my kid? You know, and then I go to school and then, you know, I'm, I'm very Vietnamese. And then the people at school were just like, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, these days it's a lot more multicultural, but back then it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that alone was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, again, when I was saying to you that uh, I grew up as an only child and I was a female, Right. So my parents were super strict because of that reason as well. There's a little bit more freedom if you're a boy. They feel like mm. they don't worry about you as much. Right. Um, but you, they had to protect. Yeah. So I don't know if you feel the same with your daughter. Uh, no. Yeah. I don't, but, I, but I'm different. You know, I've, I've had my transformation. Yeah. 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 Well, that's incredible. I think it's really important. You know, um, because when I was little, um, I, you know, I was told that I wasn't allowed to do many things because of my gender. Mm. And, you know, I mean, there were just really little things like, oh, don't laugh like that. It's not very ladylike. Don't sit like that. It's not very ladylike. No, you right. can't play drums because you're not a boy. No, you have to do this because you're a girl. No, don't. And it was just, you know, like overwhelming to the point where I completely rejected my feminine side and mm. went full blown the other way. Right. And it became the biggest tomboy. Um, and I carried that throughout my, most of my life. I've only just really um, reconnected with the feminine side, you know, over the last few years and it's a work in progress, right? Like I still have that masculine side to me. Oh, do um, you? Yeah, I do. Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I always consider myself as having like a very feminine soul. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when I go through ceremonies and, and whatnot, I feel that. And some other people can feel that. So I've, I've, I've never, 
oh, I did meet one woman in ceremony who was a man in her past lives. Mm. So she I still identifies with that. But I have mm. you're the first person I think that I've met who's at least said out loud that yeah, I have this this masculine side. Mm. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, we all have um masculine energy and feminine in- energy in us. Yeah. Just I would agree. a little bit more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was my rejection of the feminine that made me swing to the more masculine side. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, right. So I didn't have any female friends. I didn't play with any girl toys. I didn't like anything that girls did. I didn't dress like a girl. Um, you know, I would, I, I was one of the boys. I would, you know, be their best man at the weddings. I would go to the Bucks nights. I would, that was me. Right. right? Like one of the boys, like very just that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get that. And so out of that, so that was, uh, I mean, is that, is that the root of the trauma? No. Well, I think, I think it adds, I think all these things, right. So like I was saying to you at the start of the conversation, we go through our life and we collect, right. We collect experiences. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they form these stories in our mind and then we attach to them and we grip to them and they have this holding on us. And so, you know, that was sort of the beginning of my story. That was the beginning of my identification. That was mm-hmm. the beginning of my pain. That was the beginning of the, I don't fit in. Like, I have no idea what the fuck this is. Yeah. And, um, you know, going to school, you know, was, I didn't really, um, it just was, it just felt a little bit weird, you know? Um, and I think now upon reflection, I think the education system is a little bit skewed. Uh, I think learning is a very important skill that we all need to have. Um, but it's just, what is it that we've been taught? Right. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, and I was torn between Buddhism and, 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 and being a Catholic as well, you know, with my parents and then with school. And, um, you know, I, I would say that it really started when in my early teenage years, I, you know, started to get a little bit, um, I guess, a little bit more strong in my personality, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's probably, you know, you're going through puberty and there's these hormones, right? It's a weird yeah. time of life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your brain's and, all scrambled. Oh God. Yeah. Like you have no idea what's going on. You look awkward as shit. Like everything's right. awkward. Like you're not really fitting in your body anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point in time, that was when my parents started to uh, have a difficult time Mm. um, within their relationship. And this is so common. It's not a special story. It's not anything like that. I mean, how many people do we know of, you know, that they come from families that are with parents that are separated? Well, it's just a lot of people who went through a terrible thing. Yeah. It doesn't diminish the fact that that it's hard. You know what I mean? It just means a lot of us went through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's super hard. And my parents went through this like really ugly and long process of breaking Mm. up where it lasted for years and 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 years. And, And, you know, during that time, um, 
my mum fell pregnant with my sister. So this was when, you know, they weren't on good terms. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she fell pregnant. Wow. Um, yeah. And so she had my sister and, you know, here I am, uh, 16 years old. My father is running amok. Um, he's nowhere to be seen, you know, maybe a, sometimes he comes back and the next day he's like gone again or whatever. Mm. Um, my mother is suicidal. Mm. I have a newborn now, um, you know, at home. Um, I myself now am suicidal and I, you know, can, uh, I attempted a few times actually. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so now here I am, uh, at 16, I need to get my dad back. Um, I need to look after my sister. So I take on the mother role or the parental roles actually. Yeah. Um, and now I have to look after my mum because she here and she's, clearly not capable of looking after anyone, right? Let alone yeah. or herself really, let alone not any, uh, let alone anyone else. It all just fell apart. That's the way I saw it back then. Yeah. I used to, I used to think I came from a broken family, but I don't, I don't think that way anymore. You don't? Mm -mm. No. How do you no. see it now? I see it now as my family is perfect as it is. Um, and that is actually imperfect. <laughs> Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, we grow and we evolve so much over time, you know, we attach to what was, um, and we forget that everything changes. So I can sit here and be attached to the fact that, you know, my family right, means to be complete, means to have my mom and my dad together. But mm -hmm. I mean, dad's changed so much. Mom's changed so much. I've changed so much. Now there's, you know, like I have my sister around. There's another, you know, energy that's involved in, within this circle. Who's to say it's going to be exactly the same? Right. You know, so it, it definitely isn't the same. Can't be, can it? It can't. It, it's, it's impossible. So, yeah, I've, it's taken me a long time, um, but I've accepted that now. Um, and, of course, you know, like these old wounds, they still come up again, and they still do. I can guarantee you that. They do. Um, so as you, as you work with, with plant medicines and psychedelics, these, some of these things still come up and, and you see more layers and you learn more about it. Hell yes. Hell yeah, huh? <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, you know, whether it's plant medicine or whatever else it is that we decide to work with, these are all just different techniques and modalities and tools, right? Mm -hmm. Different that we have. You cannot expect that you sit in one ceremony. You cannot expect that you, you know, like have one dose of something. You can't expect that you go to one class, right? You step on the yoga mat one time, you sit down and meditate for 15 minutes, half an hour a day, and your life's going to be absolutely amazing. You become this enlightened being and you've just, you know, gotten rid of all of your humanness. Although I, I hear people that do one, one ceremony, one dose, one journey and come back and, and they're no longer, they no longer have their draw to alcohol or their, their drug of choice. Yeah. That's probably just, that's probably just one, 
one layer because there's still all that trauma that was underneath that addiction, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And that's really where you got to get to. Yeah, well, yes, and maybe. I think, you know, we're all, I mean, as much as we're all the same, right, we all are individuals as well, and we have to honor that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for some people, you know, being able to get rid of an addiction to alcohol or whatever else it is, like, is all that they really need from that one modality, right? Be it ayahuasca or whatever it is that they've decided to partake in. Um, But for other people, you know, um, they might need a little bit more assistance from whatever it is. And who's to say that the person that drank ayah once and got rid of some addiction or, you know, like, you know, worked with the Ibogaine or something, mm-hmm. um, right, and never touched that again, like they're not working with other things. Like they're not meditating. They're not journaling. They're not taking, you know, hikes in nature. They're not doing breath right. work. going into sensory deprivation tanks. I mean, there are so many different tools, you know, and psychedelics and plant medicines is just really one of them. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Mm. Mm. So how how did uh, how did you come to the plant medicines? I mean, with this with this childhood and and all that stuff you went through, mm. how did you end up? You know, and was it? Did you come into it ceremonially? You know, entheogenically, or did you come into it in a, a party atmosphere? Like I hear so many people say, "Yeah, I did mushrooms and LSD when I was younger in the parties," but then I rediscovered it later in life. Um, I mean, how did, what, what did your journey look like coming to the medicines and being where you are now? Yeah, I would say exactly that the second. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's all this talk and I think I might, you know, write something about that pretty soon and then put that Mm. up. Um, yeah, there's just been a feeling inside me that I feel like it's time to share this. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started, you know, using these medicines, which back then I called them drugs. Right. <laughs> but I started using these medicines at a really, really, really young age. Really? Um, yeah. And lots, like lots. Wow. Uh, yeah. Hi, lots, high amounts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it was because it was just that fucked or, you know, my body has a high tolerance. I mean, now I know that I, you know, I do have a high tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like the combination of those two things is just, oof, right? Yeah. And um, so I would say that my relationship with them started in my teens. Wow. And, yeah. And although it looked very different um, to, you know, how my relationship with these medicines looks now, whether I like it or not or whether, you know, anybody else likes it or not, my relationship started then and there. Right. So how, how do you feel it actually started then and there? What, what evolved or carried from doing it as a, as a recreational drug as mm-hmm. a young human that mm-hmm. evolved? I mean, how you said your relationship started then, how do you recognize that that's when it started as opposed to not recognizing that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, why would, um, I know that you, didn't have, you know, this recreational side of you pre-working yeah. with plant medicine. Right. But, you know, I want to ask you, why do you think it is that people do reach to these substances, right, um, at a recreational level? 
The uh, psychedelic substances. All of it. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. I don't. You know. I don't know that. I don't know that I'm qualified to have an answer to that. I, my guess would be a judgment. It would be maybe some of them they reach for them to cover up feelings or emotions. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes they do it to overcome inhibitions. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know. I think a lot of people end up with psychedelics in a, almost an accidental way thinking it's going to be like an opiate or a cocaine or something. And then, then they take these things and it kind of slams them in the head and they're like, Oh, that wasn't what I was really expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. I've just connected to God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't, I wasn't, you know, that wasn't the, the, the trip I was expecting, but I don't yeah. know. I think a lot of people don't seem to come away with uh, an understanding of the medicine. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the seed got planted, but I have talked to some people that definitely do that. They were like, wow, I was doing this, at, you know, in a party, some friends gave me this stuff and I ate it. And I ended up having this amazing experience that really helped me, re, you know, get new direction in my life. Mm. So it was kind of by accident. Yeah. It got there, but I don't know. What's, what's your answer? Well, you know, I mean, just touching on what you just said, there's definitely that side, right? Where people would, um, you know, like take these, these medicines and then have this amazing experience, an unexpected amazing experience when they're able to, I don't know, I guess like feel love or oneness, have some sort of a mystical insight, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Connect to God, they're able to let go of some things. And then some people, you know, have to be there and sit with some of their traumas that they have. Yeah. And this is what, you know, we know of as a bad trip, right? Um, but you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? So for me, um, I, uh, when I was younger, right, it was, and I didn't really have the conscious awareness of all of this, of what I'm saying right now. So Mm -hmm. it was done really blindly, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was with a group of friends that were also just as, lost as I was. Right. right? Um, so, you know, the, I would, you know, like take copious amounts of whatever it is to either numb the pain that I was going through, right. To have a good time to just forget about the stuff that was going on at home to, for that moment, maybe not, you know, be so attached to the responsibility of trying to save my family and save myself at the same time. I remember I was suicidal. Um, So, you know, and the, because I was so masculine, right. There is this thing where I think it's changing now. Um, I can see it changing. It's still very so uh, much so there. But, you know, the men, right, are perceived as the strong ones, the ones that need to keep their shit together, the ones that need to fix things, the ones that Mm -hmm. don't show emotion, the ones that don't break down. And I know you've spoken about this before as well within yourself when you lost your son, Mm -hmm. right? And so I um, was, that was how I operated. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and I had come in and taken over my dad's role now, right? And I'm like the, the, 
the, the husband to my mom and like the father to my sister and right so like I was very masculine and so you know one of the really beautiful things actually you know during that time in my life was that when I was under the influence not all the time because it wasn't my intention right and it wasn't really something that I wanted to do but when I was under the influence when I had the assistance of these medicines in me at that point in time like if my surroundings were right right so set and setting um, mm-hmm. there was no set but if the setting was right at that point in time was when I was able to open up hmm. and be vulnerable and talk about how fucked it is that I was actually feeling right to share what it is that was really going on I mean you look on the outside and you just see you know this person that is everything's fine you know she's really strong she's got her shit right. together but on the inside I was broken in a million pieces yeah yeah so i mean if that's not beautiful right if that's didn't allow me an opportunity to really speak from my heart i don't know what is so we can yeah i mean we can sit here and say that you know oh you shouldn't use it recreationally and all that sort of stuff and i wouldn't you know say oh yeah like go do this go do that um, but if that's where they are, that's where they are. And there's a purpose to it. It's like, how do we minimize harm? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point all the way around, even, mm. even medicinally or whatever to minimize that harm. Mm. But you had that, you had that recreational experience that you were able to finally open up and talk and, and see, kind of break through that, that shell you had created. Yeah. Just, you know, during that time. And that was it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know anything about integration. It was like a little release, um, a little relief, and then boom, right? As soon right, as right back in. Did it leave but, like a little seed? Did it plant a seed that kind of grew or you could kind of go back and recognize and say, that was interesting? Yeah, I would or say so. I would say so, yeah, because I knew that, you know, I had difficulty opening up. I always bottled everything inside. Um, I wouldn't shed a tear. Um, you know, like I wouldn't show anyone that I was crying as well. Um, if I needed to cry, I'll go into the bathroom, turn on the shower, sit down, you know, like mm. in the movies, right? Right. Have a bit of a sob and then quickly pull myself up together and then go out and boom, there you go. Okay, everything's wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a unique perspective on men. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, the way you cover up your feelings and, and, and had to be the, the strong one and the, the experiences you had, mm. you know, like you said, it's, some of these are masculine in nature, mm. you know, and having lived it or put yourself through that, I think it would give you a, a perspective that not everybody has. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. It, um, Feels really nice to hear that, actually. Does it? Yeah, for some reason, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's hard. I don't have a penis and you know two testicles, right? But mm-hmm. you know, in some way, you know, I can relate a little bit, just just a little bit, because I'm not a man, you know. So, in some way, I can relate a little bit. And if it was that hard for me. 
right? Like I just can't imagine how hard it would be to actually be in a man's body and have to put up with this shit that, you know, you're a man, like you shouldn't be crying. It's, you know, you should be blah, 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 blah. Right. Like that's shit. Yeah. That's yeah, really I wonder, I, I wonder how much that has to do with anatomy or, or just purely sociological, you know, that just you're mm-hmm. raised that way, but you're told that way and you experienced a lot of that. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting question. And I think it might be a mixture of both. I mean, if you look at where we came from or, you know, yeah, just when we were living in tribes and whatnot, the men would go out and they would hunt. Right. And they would do like that kind of work. Whereas the women would look after the children and the village and, you know, like get everything, get the meals ready and all that. So, I mean, there's feminine and masculine energy in there that is very different whether we like it or not. It doesn't mean that that energy is only for the man or that the energy is only for the woman, mm-hmm. but it's, it's there. Right? Yeah. But like you've done, you can learn, you can learn the other side. Oh yeah. You can definitely learn the other side and you can attach to the other side too. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about some plant medicine stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, so what? I mean, we talked about how you, you got introduced at a very young age with some mm-hmm. large doses and some unique experiences that, mm-hmm. that were not followed up with, you know, proper integration. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where, where are you now and, and how, how have the plant medicines helped in your mm-hmm. life? And, and if you want to share any experiences, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. But you know, what, what kind of things have you, because now you do this professionally, you know, now, now you're in this, you know what I mean? But before you really got to that point, how, what was your journey like, you know, getting to this point with the medicines? Yeah. Well, uh, what actually happened was before um, my relationship with these medicines shifted was that I developed a relationship with yoga. Oh. Yeah. So, um, for some reason, and again, right, I was very masculine. For some reason, there was just this thing, this calling, this message, whatever, right? Yoga, 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 yoga. I never hmm. thought about it before. I thought yoga was for girls. You know, it was just something that I would not do, right? Right. Um, but for some hmm. reason, this calling was just so strong that I had to go. And right. so, yeah, so I went to a class. It was just, you know, like a local class that, you know, it, suburban studio and um i immediately fell in love with the practice for some reason or another i guess i was just ready you know and as i started to practice more and more and more i mean i was doing multiple classes a day like it was intense right um yeah as i started practicing i something began to change so what happened is that, and I wasn't aware of this at the time, but I think when we start to engage in practices like that, right, energetically, yeah. our body is, you know, we have an energetic body. Energetically, things begin to shift and move. So, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like cr- a crying mess, right? class. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm like a lot softer. All of a sudden, I'm watching what I'm eating. All of a sudden, as my internal landscape begin to, began to change and soften, so did my external. Right? And that was, yeah. And so that was when things began to shift. 
And, you know, by that point in time, you know, I was sort of, actually, I'm not too sure, so I'm not going to say it because I could just be making shit up. But, yeah, during that process, I started, um, you know, and it happened really quickly, Stuart. It was like I did my first class and then all of a sudden I'm doing workshops and then I'm, you know, doing teacher trainings and I'm just like, I'm balls deep in this, in this practice. Right. Um, and so during that time, right, I became a lot more mindful. I became a lot more present. And when I was working with these medicines, it was completely different. So now there's intention, right? Whereas before Mm -hmm. there wasn't, and there's the ability now to reflect, you know, and I didn't start with ceremonies. I didn't sit with a shaman. I didn't have a guide. I didn't have a sitter. I mean, I would say that I'm pretty experienced, um, you know, with working with these things by myself. So right. I was enough to do that. And I was just like diving in. And, you know, the beautiful thing about psychedelics and plant medicines is that it's almost like it is, it's not easy, right? Like by no means is the journey guaranteed to be an easy one. And what happens after you're finished with the journey is going to be an easy ride for you in terms of the work that needs to be done in the integration. Yeah. But it's almost like it's like a, like a cheat code. So, you know, when you play a game, like a video mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you punch in a cheat code and then all of a sudden, like, boom, you're done, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never done that. I'm not much of a gamer, but I, I've watched other people do that. Yeah. Well, I grew up with, you know, like a Nintendo 64 and the Sega Master System and stuff. There you go. And, yeah. And so, you know, psychedelics is like you're playing a game, you put in a cheat code, which is when you take the medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you've clocked the game, as in you've finished the game, but it might take you to the boss level of that stage. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you do what you need to do or whatever. And then when that's done, your journey's finished. Okay. Now here is the work, right? You're at that next stage. Now you've advanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something like yoga, right? A practice like yoga, which is not just about, you know, doing downward facing dogs and, you know, making these shapes with your body. It, there's so much more to that. It's like how you live. It's, you know, it's how you think it's how you speak. It's, uh, what you put in your body. It is, um, you know, meditation, it's breath work, it's concentration, it's, it's contemplation. It's like so many things. Huh. But like the practices like that requires so much work and dedication and consistency and patience to be able to get you a snippet, right, the experiential snippet of what psychedelics can do like that. Right. You know what I so, mean? We're, yeah. Yeah. I totally yeah. know what you mean. So what, do you have an example of a time when you took the medicines and got that insight like that, like what you're talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was with um, psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah. Um, that it's such, you know, I think they call it magic mushrooms for a reason. <laughs> yeah, or the teachers. <laughs> yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, you know, and it was that uh it was when I had that experience of 
everything is one and I am mm. God. I rejected that term God, right? Because I was yeah. a Catholic and I was, you know, brought up in a Catholic school and, but my parents were Buddhist, right? But um, anyway, I, I really rejected that term, um, but I experienced God and I experienced that I was God and, you know, that we are all one and it's infinite and it's, there's no such thing as death, you know? Yeah. And there's, it's just that mystical, blissful state. I mean, you know, I, I love to write and, you know, I came out of this journey and I thought, yeah, I'm going to write, I'm going to write about this. It was like yeah. freaking amazing. There was so much. And I picked up a pen and I struggled because how can we box, you know, such an infinite experience into words? That's what you felt when you tried to write. You're like, how can I, how can I use mere words for what I just experienced? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think wow. I can, I can try. It's a pretty shitty attempt. Right. Yeah. Because by doing that, I mean, it loses so much of its, it's, 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 I don't know. Like it's yeah. power, magic. It's, you know, and I, I mean, I'm even struggling to speak about it now. Yeah, no, I totally get it. There are times I come out and I want to journal and I'm just like, well, how, how do I, how do I write that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think for those of us that have had, you know, some sort of a mystical experience with these medicines, you know, like we, we understand, you know, that it's, it's absolutely profound. Right. And I mean, mm -hmm. I've had, you know, like, um, moments of, of experiencing these states of bliss um, and oneness, you know, during a practice or during med meditation and, you know, quite easily during breath work, right? Because we can switch, um, we can alter our states of consciousness really easily. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not, you know, like a five-hour trip or anything like that where the experience right. is just there in it and it's just like that is your reality. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that was when I was like, holy crap. Yeah, that's a big, uh, you know, that's the quote, the tip, mystical experience mm. that, you yeah. know, some people have with, uh, with psilocybin. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, once we have these mystical experiences with psilocybin or whatever else it is that, you know, you feel called to work with, um, then when you go back to practices such as yoga or whatnot, right, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, like I've been there already. I know that it's, it exists. It's not theory anymore. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Mm. There's a big difference between theory and having the actual experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So when it comes to psychedelics you mentioned a couple times i think already mind and mindset you know what what are the what are the important things people need to know and do and prepare for or be ready in order to have a good um spiritual entheogenic um journey and i'm not saying good trip bad trip you know what i mean because sometimes the bad trip can be everybody's good as a, as a good trip right but to go into it and have a a real experience with, with the medicines. What do you, what do you think the keys to that, to that are? Mm, yeah. Cause I know you guys, you, don't you, you help people with the preparation leading up to yeah. the journey. Yeah. So what, like, you don't have to give everything away, but you know, what, what are the keys to anybody sitting out there listening and they're just thinking, okay, yeah. What, 
I can't just go buy a bag of mushrooms and devour them and, and have this mystical experience. I mean, you might by accident, right? But what are the ways to try to get the most out of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what we do is uh, we call it a pre-integration, right? Pre-integration. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. For the journey. Um, and you're right. There is a bit of preparation to be done if, you know, this is something that you're actively seeking in order to, whatever it is that your tension is, intention is. I mean, we all have different intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's important to be able to prepare for these things because, I mean, just think about it, right? A, if we have trauma that's there and um, if you're uh, not properly prepared, it's very easily to re-traumatize yourself. Mm. Um, and it's not just working with psychedelics. It's with, you know, any other thing. Like if you're not, if you don't have a foundation, if someone doesn't have a foundation of some sort, right, it's very easy to re-traumatize and that can be detrimental. Oh, yeah. I never even thought of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, having some sort of a foundation is absolutely essential. Um, so the way that we do it is that we work with the person one-on-one and, you know, we, again, you know, everyone is different, but, you know, we sort of discuss, you know, what your intentions are, we get them ready. Um, you know, we speak to them about how to, you know, um, set up the space, um, you know, make sure that, you know, they, um, have the right mindset before they go in. Um, and you know, what it is that, you know, can happen, like all of these things there, it's kind of like, uh, harm reduction, Mm -hmm. but you know, the person really needs to be ready for it and only they will know whether or not they're ready. Um, how do you, how do you help them know when they're ready or how do they know, how can somebody out there that, that doesn't even have access to your, your services, how do they know when they're ready? You just know. You just you know. know. And you, you gotta, know? you gotta know that you, you have to get to that point before you take this leap. Mm-hmm. You have to be honest with yourself about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because, you know, I mean, it's, you're not, um, going in it to have a good time. Yeah. Cause you may yeah. not have a good time at all because you may not have a very good time. Um, And that's just part of the process, right? And there is Mm -hmm. a lot of valuable lessons to learn in those moments where we don't have a good time with these trips. But if the person is there and they think, I'm just going to have a good time, or my mate did it and he said it was really amazing, um, it can be a shit show. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be. I don't know whether or not it's going to be for sure. But I have, you know, a responsibility and a duty of care um, to, you know, say whether or not I feel like I am comfortable enough to work with this person, right? Or yeah. for them to go ahead. I can su- just suggest it. But ultimately, it's up to them whether or not they want to do it. But you have to be ready and it has to be for you. It has to feel right. You know, and as I'm saying this, I'm like touching this area because it yeah, has to touching come. your heart. It has to come from the heart, you know? It's yeah. Like, when the calling is so strong, like you just know, there's no doubt. There's no thinking anymore. It's just, yes. It's like a, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah I have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
So, so you do the pre-integration, you're ready, you're, you're drawn to this by your heart and, and you decide to do it and you do it. And it's kind of like you mentioned when you were young and you had these experiences, but there was nothing following it. So it just kind of got closed back up like a treasure chest. Mm-hmm. And now what do people need to know if they, if they go into this, they did the pre-work and they go into a journey and they come out of it and they have these amazing insights, right? Like you said, you can get all these amazing insights with one um, psychedelic experience, mm-hmm. but you need to know what to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, afterwards yeah. you, you need to know, you can't just walk away and go, Oh, I'm cured. <laughs> right. I mean, you can feel that way, but there's, there's gotta be some, some follow-up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There has to be some follow-up and consistency is key, you know, and that's why sometimes having someone there to support you is really important. Um, especially if it's someone that, you know, um, and you know, I'm, I'm not talking about myself or anything here, mm-hmm. right? it's really important as well to work with someone that has some idea of what it's like to be working with these medicines. You know I mean? Like you can have your mum supporting you, but if she has got no idea about what it's like to go through some of these experiences, then the support can only go so far, you know, and you, you know, I think about that. It's uh, I've been through these experiences. Mm-hmm. But because I was inside the experience, I don't really know what, uh, how I would react to watching somebody else having the experience. Mm. So if somebody brought me in as a trip sitter, I might feel totally unqualified. I might feel like, well, I wasn't really there when this was happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I might look at them and go, well, I don't know. Are they having a great time? Are they having a hard time? Do they need my help? And then I would start freaking out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it seems and- like it can be, you have to, even as a trip sitter, you probably need to know more than just the experience, you probably need to know a little bit about how to be a good trip sitter, how to be a good guide, mm-hmm. all that. You know, I mean, there must be something involved in, in being good at that, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that um, I'm really grateful for, so I didn't mention before, but I I really don't think I learned much from, from this, but um, I managed to get myself into university somehow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Through all of that, right? So mm-hmm. I... I yeah, so there was, uh, you know, I studied a Bachelor of Psychology and then hmm. I did arts for a bit after that and then I didn't really like humans anymore, so I did vet nursing. <laughs> yeah. Then after that, I went in and I did um, a Bachelor of uh, Social Sciences, majoring in youth work, wanting to hmm. focus on the um, drug and alcohol field. Um, and then I got into yoga, right? So I say that I don't think that has really done anything for me. Um, but maybe it has, you know, at least, you know, it's gotten me to think about harm reduction and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but, hmm. you know, like it was really, truly like the yoga and life experience that has just, yeah, that's been number one, right? Yeah. Um, and you're right. You know, like if, say, for example, if a friend is asking you to, you know, like be a trip sitter or whatever, I mean, it's impossible to know, right? Like I could sit there and look at someone and it's impossible to know whether or not they're having a good time or they're having a really challenging experience. And at that point in time, their brains are so malleable. Anything that you say or do or suggest can completely turn their trip the other way. Yes, you have to be careful. That's why I'm wondering it's, you know, people talk about having somebody be there, a trip sitter or whatever, but it sounds like, you know, 
There's got to be something behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be really careful with who it is that you choose. I would say do your research, get to know the person, get familiar, um, make sure that you feel comfortable with them, make sure that you trust them, make sure that they are, um, you know, not going to project their own shit onto you, that they're not there and trying to teach mm. you something, that they're not trying to guide your experience into a certain way, right, that they're trying to direct something. Um, they're really there just keeping your body safe, you know, if it, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah that's all, it could, because it's your experience. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So even if somebody's uh working on this and looking to do it and they just want somebody there just just to be sure, just to make sure they're safe, they they should get that person oriented and some training or some resources to understand mm. what it is they're they're actually doing. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I talked to a have you heard of the Entheo nurse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. He uh he teaches ER nurses and doctors how to not overreact if somebody gets brought in when they're undergoing a, a bad trip, essentially, you know what I mean? Is don't just start jabbing needles into their arms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is you can just put them in a nice soft space and, and let them, let them work through it. It's kind of the yeah. same thing with a good trip sitter is, you know, know what not to react to. Yeah, totally. That is so important. And I'm so glad that there are people like that, you know, doing work like that. Cause it's really, really, really important, especially now that, you know, there's so much talk around psychedelics and these other medicines, right? Yeah. Um, there's so much research that's being done more and more. It's really, really important. And I mean, people are, I would be, this is just my personal opinion, you know, like some people really want to go down this route, but I would be so concerned going to, you know, my local psychiatrist, uh, and asking them whether or not they would, would want to, you know, guide me through an experience or just watch my body when I, you know, blast mm-hmm. myself into like some other realm because just because they're a psychiatrist doesn't mean that they're well equipped for this kind of work. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, I don't, I can't imagine myself going to a psychiatrist for that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but yeah. I guess, um, I guess it depends on if they're trained and, and what their experiences are. Exactly. Exactly. So it goes a lot deeper than, you know, the certificate that's hanging up on your wall. Yeah. For me, yeah. I think anyway. Um, one thing I like to ask people is about stigma. So obviously you watched my, my Stone Dave show. So, you know, a big part of that is trying to break stigmas, right? Mm-hmm. Around mental health and suicide and psychedelics. And if uh, with everything you do, and have done personally that you do professionally. Have you had to deal with any pushback, any stigma, you know, from this? Was there any fear in kind of making this, uh, you know, part of your living? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I would be a liar if I said, nah. <laughs> no. So there's, there's still, even for someone like you, there's still some of that out there, huh? Oh yeah. And you know, especially with this day and age now where, um, you know, people can hide behind screens and whatnot. Right. It's, oh uh, yeah. Screen yeah. names even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very much there, but I mean, you got to think about um, what's happened right in throughout history with uh, these medicines. They, no wonder there's a stigma, you know, it's, it's not a surprise that there is a stigma by any means, but um 
what do we do? Like, what do we do with it, right? What do we do with it? Well, I think what we can do with it, all that we can do with it really is, A, work on ourselves, you know, um, mm-hmm. and people will be able to see the difference or at least feel the difference. Yep. Um, and that, I think, is going to be a lot more efficient in passing on the message that these medicines are absolutely amazing and they're here to help us than speaking about it, right? Because actions speak louder than words. But in saying that, speaking about it is really, 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 really vital. So what you're doing, Stuart, with, you know, having podcasts like these and creating conversations around subjects such as this, um, is really, really, really important because where else are we going to get the information? Yeah, and luckily there's uh, there's people doing that because I know I know Jim's got a podcast where he's talking to people. I think a lot about recovery stuff, and you guys at uh, Gold Cap Integration Network have this amazing Facebook group where people get together and talk. And so you guys are really giving people a, a good, safe place to to get mm-hmm. these stuff out and talk. And so I'm grateful to you too for. For, for doing that. So um, what else? So we're getting to the end here. What, what else do you want to get out? What do you want to share? What do you want to talk about? Um, you know, I just wanted to say thank you. <laughs> well, of course. And thank you. Yeah, of course. No problem. You're very welcome. Um, but, you know, these medicines are extremely healing, helpful, magical. Um, You know, I think we've known now for a very long time that the tradition, oh, not not traditional, sorry, but the conventional model um, doesn't really work. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, because of that reason and the way that we have been living, you know, it's no wonder that the human species is coping with the stress and the sadness that's here in some really, really, really interesting ways. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it in anxiety. Uh, We're seeing it in depression. We're seeing it um, in our addictions and it's not just addictions to heroin and, you know, methamphetamines or anything like that. It's addiction to social media and, you know, your phone and technology and like all of this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Which takes us away from who we really are, like our true essence. It takes us away from our ability to connect. And so, you know, what we're seeing now is there is an imbalance and, um, you know, if you feel the calling and you have to feel it in your heart. Like it has to be something that like, you know, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, Then it's something that's definitely worth exploring. And there can be, there is actually not can be, there is still a lot of stigma around it. But I think if, you know, you, if you really dig, you'll find the right people. Um, and I don't even think it's like if you really dig, right? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah, you'll Everything. find your community. Yeah, totally. Um, and, yeah, the journey is going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I know particularly for people that come from a very conventional background, you know, that there's a lot of fear with mm-hmm. this. You know, yes. Yeah, for themselves and, you know, they're committing a crime and what, what about their families and their partners and all of that sort of stuff, you know, but it's, it's, abs- it's detrimental that we work on ourselves and whether it be with psychedelics, whether it be with some other modality, we've got to start looking inwards. Like we need to start attending to these places that, you know, have been calling and crying for our attention and our love for so long. And we've just neglected them. This is what it is. You know, that's what it is. I think psychedelics, I think yoga, they're both paths to the same place, you know, and that place is that path back to the heart. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely need to take a look at that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great, a great message. That's a great, great way to, to wrap this up. So thank you so much T for doing this and joining me here. It was what a fabulous conversation. And I'm truly grateful that you took your time to do this. No, oh, thank you so much. Stuart. That concludes this edition of the stoned ape reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stoned Apes.